0: reading from 1 Corinthians 4 verses 14 through 17 if you would like to open your Bibles and read with me <clears throat> I am writing this to you not to shame you but to warn you my dear children even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ you have not many fathers for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel therefore I urge you to imitate me For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, my son whom I love. He is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of the the way of my life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. Good morning, church. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here with us this morning. Especially, again, we want to thank you for our veterans. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice and for those families uh, who, have those who have served uh, in our armed forces. We thank you as well because we know that you also give sacrifice. And with that in mind, I want to thank all of the men who were here uh, yesterday morning for our men's breakfast and for those who brought uh, things from their time in the service and Adam Coleman shared with us uh, some things that he learned from that and applied those to our lives today and so we thank you uh, thank those men for doing that and we thank those who were there or here to uh, enjoy that men's breakfast and all those who served. thank you so much for that and isn't it an honor and it isn't a blessing that we have the opportunity this morning to freely choose to get up to get dressed and to come together in this place Encourage one another and worship Almighty God. Amen? And so we thank you so much for being here today. I want to uh, encourage you to pray for those on our prayer list. There are several that are recovering from surgeries and things like that. And some facing surgeries this week. And so we want to encourage you to pray and remember those individuals as well. Don't forget, this Wednesday night will be the last night Kyle Butt will be with us. If you've missed some of those, I think they may be available on our website. Um, he will also have books available uh, that night that you can purchase uh, dealing with the things. That he's dealing with. So, if you've missed those, I want to encourage you to be here this Wednesday night. But also, you can check out the others on our website. Few of our nation's chief executives could match Herbert Hubert's, Hoover's executive competence, intellect, or energy. In fact, it's said that he he took and he had a few assistants and he did some things that saved millions of lives during World War I. And yet, his presidency was considered a failure. Poor judgment and high taxes did him in. Franklin Roosevelt, on the other hand, his managerial... Um, Resources or abilities never could match that of Herbert Hoover. And it's said that he continually played members of his official family against one another. Internal battles were fierce. Someone even said that FDR was devious. He would often put off making decisions and things like that. And yet, others have said about his inefficient, uh, his methods were inefficient and chaotic. And I thought this was interesting that it's, it's written that he was incontestably the master of his government and, and the dominant figure of the 20th century American politics. Two different presidents... Two different styles. One was a good style, but it didn't work. One was a not-so-good style, yet he's considered one of the greatest of that century. And yet we look at both of these men and we would consider them leaders. And so as we embark today and next week over the idea of leadership and being all in and be a leadership, what I want us to think about today is not these two presidents and their differences, but what I want us to think about today is the leader in me. What is a leader? Well, we might look at one of these presidents and say, "Yeah, that's a leader." When we think of things that come to our mind, there might be some different things that come to our mind when we think about a leader. We may think about people like William Wallace. You remember William Wallace? He led his Scottish resistant warriors in this struggle against England to be freed and to be freed from the oppression that the English were putting on the Scottish people. We might think of a leader like William Wallace. We might think of a leader like Winston Churchill who defied the Nazis and defied their threat though all of Europe around him was collapsing. We might think of a leader like Mahatma Gandhi who led the 200 mile march to the sea to protest the SALT Act. You might think of a leader like Mary Kay Ash who went off on her own and developed and created a world class makeup organization? Or you might think of a leader like Martin Luther King Jr., who stood before the Lincoln Memorial challenging all of us with his dream of reconciliation. You might think of some of these individuals, or you might think of others who led politically and militarily. You might think of others who led great causes. Are great organizations. But do these people tell us what a leader is? Some may say yes and some may say no. I remember when I was in high school, our football coach would always say to us, a leader is someone who's always out front. They're the first one to practice. Uh, They're the one that set an example about how to practice hard and things like that. A leader defined means a person who leads. Such as a guide or a conductor. A person who has commanding authority or influence. Well, if we look at Webster's dictionary, it would seem that my football coach was correct. A leader is someone who's leading, who's guiding, who's being out front and setting the example. There's another word I want us to consider in Webster's definition. You see, leaders are those who are out front and who are leading by example. But many times we often leave leading to those individuals, right? But I want you to notice one word in this definition by Webster's Dictionary. Influence. Influence. Webster says a leader is a person who has influence. Notice on the screen here, if you will. From John Maxwell's book, The 360-Degree Leader, he says this, If I had to identify the number one misconception people have about leadership, it would be the belief that leadership comes simply from having a position or title. But nothing could be farther from the truth. You don't need to possess a position at the top of your group, department, division, and organization in order to lead. If you think you do, then you have bought into the position myth. Maxwell says if you think you have to have a position or a title before you leave, then that's a myth and that's not truth. He goes on to say, a place at the top will not automatically make anyone a leader. The law of influence in the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership states clearly, the true measure of leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. So based on what Maxwell says, that means every one of us are leaders. Every one of us have someone who is following us, and every one of us have someone who we are following. You remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter eleven and verse one? Imitate me. He might say, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm a leader. You're a leader. We're all leaders. For you see, to be a leader, it starts with me. In the book of 1 Kings, chapter 3, Solomon has been appointed king. David, his father, has died. Solomon has been appointed king. And he tells the Lord, Lord, I, I, I'm just a child. I don't know. I'm young. I don't know how to lead these people. What am I going to do? I need help. I want you to notice. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 3 and verse 9. Therefore give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern, discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And God was pleased with what He asked for. He asked for wisdom, discernment, understanding. And God was pleased and He says, because you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. God was pleased because Solomon, when he had been put in this position, and it was a position, it was a position of leadership. But even in that position of leadership, Solomon realized that if I'm going to lead, whoever I'm going to lead, it starts with me. It starts with me. And he asked God, I need your help. Give me understanding so I can discern justice. And I underlined and circled verse 14 in my Bible because he says so if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked then i will lengthen your days he says you're going to be blessed and everything's going to work out solomon i'm going to bless you with this wisdom but everything will only work out if you keep my commandments and my statutes that's important you see solomon realized the book stops here it all starts with me. He couldn't point, he wasn't pointing to David, his father. He wasn't pointing to others in the past. He wasn't pointing, well, uh, these people, I, there's no way I can lead these people. He wasn't pointing to siblings. He wasn't pointing to other people in positions of leadership. He says, listen, it starts with me. We cannot escape from being a leader or leading someone. The question we have to answer is, how will I lead? You see, this is what we need today. We need mothers and fathers who will accept the challenge to be leaders of their family. We need grandparents who will accept the challenge to help their children to lead their families and also be leaders to their grandchildren. We need young people. We need young people who will stand up and say, I will be a leader. I may not can lead by in that position or with that title, but I'm going to be a leader because there's people that I can influence. Maybe it is that, that your kids or your grandkids, they're not here. Let me tell you, we have young people and we have families that need your life experiences. They need your influence. We need adults who will say, Yeah, my kids are grown. Or I don't have kids yet. To stand up and tell Dustin and other uh, leaders of the youth group say, Listen, guess what? I can have influence. I want to accept the challenge to be a leader to influence young people in this congregation and families in this congregation. A few weeks ago, I was talking to my mother, and we were talking about people from the past. We were talking about when I was a kid. Going to church, a country church out in our county. And I can remember Joyce Rainwater. I can remember her teaching me lessons in Bible class. I can remember some of my relatives encouraging us young men to lead singing and do other things in the church. I can remember people when I was a teenager. I can remember Lewis Holliday. I can remember Roy DeMumbriem. I can remember Randy Messick. You know why I can remember them? Because they chose to lead by their influence. Without those influences, I'm telling you right now, I would not be standing here today. And likely you might not be sitting here today and being here today if it wasn't for some of those same influences. And the question we all have to ask, will we accept the challenge to be a leader with the people who I can influence? No matter my age, we are leaders. Because we all influence someone. Real quickly, in our next few minutes, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. And I want you to notice, here in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 20, we'll begin in verse 19. And I want us to notice here, Paul, a leader in the church. Paul, a person that had influence over someone, and it's still having influence over us today. And it wasn't simply because of position, but I believe it was because of the heart that Paul had as a leader. Verse 19. Actually, look at verse 17 and following. From Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know, from the first day that I came to Asia, in what manner I always lived among you. Serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the appointing of the Jews. How I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy, and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. You see, the leader Paul, who had influence, had a heart that was consistent. You see, he lived steadily while moving among the people. He lived a consistent life. Maybe you've heard the saying, what you see is what you get. You see, that was Paul. No wonder Paul could write in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul could say, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ because that's what Paul did consistently each and every day of his life. Now, before we hold Paul too too high, let's remember Paul wasn't perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. But he strove to live that consistent life in Christ, he practiced what he preached. He preached a certain type of influence and he also practiced it. Paul had a consistent heart. But Paul also had a contrite heart. He acted humbly. Did you hear him? Even in the midst of trials. Humble is defined as not proud or haughty. Not arrogant. And Paul was not haughty. Paul was not proud. Paul was not arrogant because he held the position of apostle. Remember in the book of Philippians chapter 3. You remember Paul gave the list of all the things that he could boast in in the flesh. Remember? And then notice what he says beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3 of Philippians. But what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Paul said whatever position I may have had in this life I count it as rubbish. It's lost to me because it means nothing. Because what's more important is that I may gain Christ. You see, Paul made everything in his life About Christ. Everything. Oh, he could boast about being an apostle. He could boast about uh, the position he had as a Jew before his conversion. But he didn't. You see, everything was about Jesus. Even in the midst of trial. Paul had a contrite heart. Paul also had a courageous heart. He didn't shrink shrink from doing the right thing. Yeah, it was hard at times. And it's going to be hard at times. And sometimes when we do the right thing, it's going to cost us something. It may cost us our job. It may cost us, listen young people, it may cost us our friendships. It may cost us our status. But Paul said, Listen, all that's lost, all that's rubbish, when Christ is number one. Paul was able to focus on Christ and eternity, even in a prison cell. Do you remember? Do you remember when, at the end of Moses' life, the great leader of God's people. He was a leader. He had influence. And he still talked about among God's people. And at the end of his life, Moses had passed. God comes to Joshua. Joshua has some big shoes to fill. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, we've lost a lot of people in our church family over the last year or so. Not just the last few months, over the last year or so. We've lost some huge, huge influences. There's some shoes that are empty. And we still need leaders. And God comes to Joshua and He says, Joshua, I know this is a big job. I know these are big shoes to fill, but here's what I want you to know, Joshua. Be strong and courageous because I will be with you just as I was with Moses. You see, I want you to think right now of the people in your life. I want you to think about the people you go to work with every single day. I want you to think about the people that you go to class with every single day. And I want you to think about the influence that you have. Because we've all been given the opportunity to lead by our influence. And the question we have to ask is, what kind of heart will we have? We need to remember what the Hebrew writer says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Where he said about the Lord, I will... Listen... Listen, we need to celebrate in this. We need to take courage and comfort in this. I will never leave you nor forsake you. It may be tough. You may lose some things. You may lose a position or a job or a relationship, but I want you to know, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Paul also had a heart that was convictional. He communicated his convictions boldly. You see, Paul, first of all, was convicted by the Lord and by the message of the Lord. And therefore, that's the way he shared with others. Conviction means the state of being convinced of error or compelled to admit the truth. That's conviction. And Paul was convicted about Jesus. And therefore, yes, with a position but more so with influence. He shared boldly the message of Jesus to anyone that would listen. And finally, Paul had a heart that was committed. He left for Jerusalem even knowing that it might cost him life, his life. He was willing to die for Jesus even knowing he might face death or beatings or imprisonment. And guess what? Paul was in prison, Paul was beaten, and Paul eventually died for sharing Jesus. But he was committed to it. How did he do that? Philippians chapter 4, he shares with us. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content." I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul reminded himself. Paul reminded those that he would write to. Paul reminded those that was around him. If Paul could speak to those seven churches of Asia that he had worked with, that John the Revelator wrote to, guess what? Paul said, you can do it. You can do it. But only through Jesus Christ. No matter what comes at us. No matter what this life throws at us. No matter what our government throws at us or the rest of the world. We can do it. Because the Lord has said, I will be with you. I will never forsake you. will not it be great? As some of our own have recently heard. Want not it be great? When we're at the end of our life and we can say, I've kept the faith. I've fought the fight. I've finished the race. Well done. Good and faithful servant. All of us will or can lead someone with our influence. The question we have to ask ourselves is, What kind of leader will I be? Because it will make all the difference. Listen to me. It can determine the future. What kind of leader will I be? There's a story that I've shared with you before, but I thought it fitting as we think about the leader in me. It's a story of an emperor in the Far East. He was older. He'd come to the end of his life. And he decided, I don't want to give my family or anyone else in a position here in this government the position to be the next emperor so he goes to a group of school children and he says listen my time as emperor is up and i've decided that what i want to do is i'm going to choose the next emperor among you now imagine you're in that crowd you're sitting in the crowd you're going to be the next leader in a year I'm going to come back and I'm, I'm giving all of you a seed. I want you to take this seed and I want you to take it home and I want you to plant it and I want you to water it and I want you to cultivate it and take care of it. And I want you to come back in a year to this spot and I want you to bring your plants, whatever it is that it grew, I want you to bring it and show me what you've grown. And when you come back, and when I've looked at all those, I will choose among you the next emperor. Among one of those kids was a little boy by the name of Ling. Ling was so excited and he took his seed and he took it home and he told his mom all about it. And he was excited and she went and got a pot and they put soil in it and they put the seed in there. and They began watering it and cultivating it and taking care of it. After the end of the week, nothing had happened. And he kept watering, he kept taking care of it. A month later, all the other kids are talking about, man, look, man, my plant is growing, it's great. But Ling still had nothing. Months passed and Ling still has nothing and he doesn't tell anyone. But yet the other kids are talking about how beautiful their plants are and what they have grown and what they've seen and what they have experienced. And a year comes, all these other students, they have, they have these beautiful plants. Ling has nothing. He says, I'm not going today, Mom. I'm not taking an empty pot and be embarrassed. <clears throat> and she encouraged him to go. Go and be honest and tell what happened. Reluctantly, Ling went, but he didn't want to. He was sick in his stomach. And he hid behind all the other students. Man, there were beautiful flowers and trees and all kinds of different things. And the emperor comes up and and he walks around and he looks at all these plants. And he's interacting with the children and admiring all these flowers and trees and other plants. And he spots Ling over there in the back with an empty pot. And he orders his guards to go bring Ling to the front. Ling realizes he's, he's recognized and he says, Oh my, the, the, the emperor, he will see what I didn't, wasn't able to do and he will have me killed. And as he approaches the emperor, the emperor sees him and he asks him his name and he says, My name is Ling. To which, after a short pause, the emperor said, Children, I want you to meet new emperor. His name is Ling. Everyone was astonished. But he didn't grow anything and we grew beautiful things. And the emperor said, you see, I boiled every one of those seeds so it wouldn't grow anything. So all these things that you grew, you replaced the seed I gave you with another seed. But you see, Ling, he used the seed I gave him. And because of that, he will be emperor. You see what a difference influence makes? Do you see how one small child that's willing to be honest, and that was influenced, hello, by his mother, did the right thing and it made all the difference. What kind of leader do you think Ling became as emperor? You see, I have to ask myself the question, what kind of leader will I be with my influence as together we stand and sing? Jesus See you face to face, touch us, hold us, use us, mold us, only let us live in you, Jesus. His draw.